Good morning, and again, let me say Happy Mother's Day. We are in the middle of a series on the book of Ecclesiastes, and I'm calling it The Quest. And today, for Mother's Day, I have a very short sermon for you. I know. I know what you're thinking. We've been lied to before, preacher. Don't even tease us. Here's the problem with this, because it's only one verse, only one verse. The problem with this message is it's either going to be the kind of message that you will hear and it will nudge the trajectory of your life. You will take this message, what I'm going to share from God's word today, you will take this message and it will change like the way you do life, the way it, generations will be impacted because of a change of life or this is one that you will absolutely be able to shrug off. Nah move on. That's the danger with this message. It's, it's going to be either or. I don't think anybody, there won't be middle ground. You'll either shrug it off and go about your life or this will hit you and you'll say, no, I'm going to make a change because of what God is saying to me today. And to help me illustrate this, I have here a bowl of Skittles. That's exactly right. Yeah. Now this is not a whole bunch of little bags of Skittles. They actually sell these in 40 ounce bags because America. <laughs> this is a 40 ounce bag of Skittles. Now, I, I got the idea for this from a pastor in Oklahoma named Craig Rochelle. I think he used Spree, but uh, you get the idea. Uh, everybody knows the single best flavor of Skittles. Say it on the count of three. The best flavor of Skittle is red. Good. If you said purple, uh, there, you need Jesus and come talk to the staff afterward. Uh, all right, now the deal, the reason I picked Skittles is I want to illustrate this simple sentence. I believe for years this simple sentence. If one of something is good, two is automatically better. Kids, if one delicious Skittle is good, two is what? Better, yes. Kids, some of you aren't kids, you're like, better. Yeah. So that means... If one handful of Skittles is good, two handfuls is what? Better. Better, yeah. Yeah, you're getting desperate, I hear you, yeah. If one handful of Skittles is good, two is automatically better. Uh, this applies to every area of your life, right? Well, let's talk about money. If one dollar in your pocket is good, two is what? There you go. Oh, you can say it. You don't have to be a kid. Everybody say it. Uh, let's do something that doesn't affect kids. If one car is good, two is what? There you go. If a one-car garage is good, two-car garage is what? There you go. Now you're getting it. If a one-bedroom house is good, then a two-bedroom is what? Good. Parents, if having one kid is good, two kids is? Oh, now see that? Yeah. There was some hesitation. Some hesitation I noticed on that one. Yeah. If one wife is good, two is illegal. That's right. That's a bad idea. I was... I'm making sure y'all are actually paying attention. All right. If something is good, more must always be better. I believe for so long, and I believe many people are believing this lie. If one handful is good, two is automatically better. And I'm here to tell you, God's word is going to tell you this morning, that is a lie. Here's the lie. The lie, and it goes all the way back to the Garden of Eden. The lie is this. You need more of what you don't have to make you happy. And it's a lie. It goes all the way back to the Garden of Eden. 
Back in the Garden of Eden, Adam and Eve had one handful of paradise. They lived in Eden, y'all. At any moment, they could just pluck delicious fruits, and they were, they were better than Skittles. <laughs> they could have anything in the Garden of Eden. And Satan's lie was, well, what would really make you happy is the one thing you can't have. You hear that? If one handful is good, Satan tells him, two handfuls be better. That's what you need. If you can't have that fruit, you'll never be happy. Now, why did I pick Skittles? Why did I pick Skittles? Because they're delicious. That's exactly right. That is the correct answer. I picked Skittles because when it comes to Skittles, there's no off switch. You pop one in, then you pop another one in, and it, uh, you, you consume the amount of Skittles that you have before you. If I told my kids, kids, here's a huge bowl of Skittles. Have, yeah, I know, exactly, yeah. Have as many as you want. No kid on the planet is like, I will have this many. It demonstrates self-control, right? No, what are they doing? Raking it in, right? As many as they can carry, right? There's no, there's no off switch. Some of you right now, I lost you from the beginning. Some of you, you cannot concentrate on the sermon because all you're thinking about is he is digging his sweaty hands into perfectly good Skittles, right? And some of you are so messed up. I know exactly what you're thinking. You're thinking, I'd eat them anyway. I don't know what he's going to do after the second service, but if those Skittles are around, I'm all in. I don't even care. Now, there's no off switch, and kids will continue to eat and eat and eat until they vomit the rainbow. Now, classy sermon, I know. I, um, <clears throat> I uh, thought long and hard about whether or not to share this uh, next illustration. I asked, I asked Jackie for permission to share it, and she was like, hey, this is a lot more embarrassing for you than it is for me. You share it if you want to. This is on you. Uh, yeah, go, go for it. When Jackie and I were dating, uh, I would, uh, she lived in Charlotte at one time. I lived in New Jersey, and we were, uh, 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 b- before I went to New York, and I would fly uh, sometimes to meet her here in, in Coleman, and uh, so my friends picked me up uh, at, uh, Bur- in Birmingham, Alabama one, one afternoon, a weekend. I was going to visit Jackie. And uh, they took me to a barbecue place called Dreamland. I think the original, some, you know it, yeah. And uh, maybe this was a, a, a branch of the franchise. This is about 4.30 in the afternoon, and I had a rack of ribs, y'all. This thing, see, my thing's not Skittles. My thing is meat. And, uh, and so I had this rack of ribs from Dreamland Barbecue, and it was delicious. And I ate with all the sides and the fixings, and I ate till I was stuffed. And then uh, at about uh, 6.30 that night, uh, we went out to her, her family had a restaurant there, and we, we, we went out to, to eat a uh, delicious steak. And I, at some point, I'm thinking, this may not end well. And, uh, <laughs> and so I eat this delicious New York strip. Oh, it was cooked to perfection. It was wonderful. And I'm just, it's so good. So there's no off switch. So I just keep, keep eating it. Um, and then that night, you know how it is. Some of you, some of you know this when you're dating. You know, all these decisions are so... Um, they're so important, and you're praying through what's our future together. And as we're looking toward marriage, we're asking what's God's will, and, and, and what are we? I mean, we're long distance, but how's this going to work? And I remember talking late into the night there at, at Smith Lake. We're out on the dock, and, and we're talking. And at some point, she looks, and my, my, the whole time my body is about to betray me, you know? <laughs> and, and she looks at me. I remember at one point in the conversation, and I'm just turning paler and paler as I, I'm in this meat coma. And she looks at me and says, Tom... When you think about our future together, what do you think? And at that moment, I, that was the moment my body sold me out. I turned, and I know it's a classy sermon, I know, and I just, everywhere, I just, yeah. 
Uh, that's embarrassing from my perspective, but imagine you're poor Jackie. So the thought of us together makes you sick. So I tell that story for two things, two reasons. One, if there's any single guys here who want to be married who are worried that they have no game and they'll never, you know, they don't have any, they, they, they're very bad in, in, in dealing with women. Hey, you got to be better than me. And it worked out great for me. So there's hope. God will take care of you. Uh, but the main point is more is not always better. I should have stopped with one handful of meat that day. Everybody got it? Everybody got the point of the sermon? I told you, it's simple. It is better to have less of what doesn't matter and more of what does. One verse, and I want you to memorize it. One verse. You know one verse. You know I'm going to do more than one verse. One verse. I want, to, I want everybody to learn this. Better one handful with tranquility, Ecclesiastes 4, 6 says, than Two handfuls with toil and chasing after the wind, with vanity, with not a moment's rest, with too much. Better one handful with tranquility than two handfuls with toil and chasing after the wind. I'm going to say it one more time. Then if we can, let's make this screen go away and everybody say it from memory. So this is your last chance to practice it. Say it out loud so you can practice. Better, oh, pop quiz. I like it. Better one hand with some tranquility rather than two handfuls with toil and chase. You've got it. Why? Why? Well, for lots of reasons. But when your life is so lived with two handfuls of consuming and getting, then there's so many things that you miss out on on life. Better one handful with some tranquility, and that leaves you, of course, with a free hand. I've got a handful of Skittles, but notice I've also got a free hand. That means I can... If we, if we meet, I can greet you with a friendly handshake. I can, if I have one handful, I can lift you up if you fall down. If I have two handfuls, what am I going to do? I, good luck. I hope somebody will help you up, right? With one handful, I can give you a hug. With one handful, I can encourage you. And best of all, with one handful, I can share. With two handfuls, I'm grasping. I'm, I'm getting for me. It's all about me. Celebrities talk about this when they finally get a two-handful life. Celebrities talk about this all the time. If you listen carefully to their interviews, their whole life they're out hustling. Whether they're trying to be a rock star or trying to be an athlete, they're just they're trying to get ahead. And they got that one handful, but what are they trying to do? They're trying to get ahead. They're trying to get that second handful. And when they get it, when you hear them interviewed, what do they all talk about? Man, I miss the good old days. I wish I could go back to that one-handful life. How many couples do you talk to that say, you know, when we look back on our marriage, how many of you, this is your story. When we look back on our marriage, when we first got married, what do they tell you? We were dirt poor. And they tell you about how poor they were. And they tell you about how, you know, I mean, just going to everything. And then what do they say at the end of that? What do you, I hear this all the time. And we were so stinking happy. We were happy. We had one handful, but we had that peace and tranquility. You hear this all the time. If you like country music, you ever heard that song, Lukenbach, Texas, by Waylon Jennings? We need to go back to Lukenbach. Waylon, this successful life we're living's got us feuding like the Hatfields and McCoys. And McCoys. Uh, baby, let's sell your diamond ring, buy some boots and faded jeans. Let's go away. The coat and tie is choking me. You're high society. You cry all day. We've been so busy keeping up with the Joneses' four-car garage we're still building on. Maybe it's time we got back to the basics of love. If you don't like country music, the notorious B.I.G. said, mo' money, mo' problems. <laughs> Same point. 
Solomon, Waylon Jennings, and Biggie Smalls are all trying to tell you better one handful with tranquility than two handfuls with toil and chasing after the wind. That's what I'm telling you. You're either going to leave here and go, that's not for me. I don't live a two handful life. Or you're going to say, you know what? That's me. I'm going after two handfuls. Why? Why do I do that? Why do any of us? Why won't we stop with contentment, with one handful of what we got? Well, Solomon tells you the answer two verses earlier. I told you one verse with a footnote. There's, there's some explanatory notes. Verse 4, what does he say? And I saw, where does all this toil come from? Where does this desire never to stop with one handful? I saw that all toil... And all achievement, now this is life, I should have said, this is life under the sun. In other words, for those who are not living for anything beyond this life, he says, well, in that case, all toil and all achievement spring from what? From a desire to make something beautiful? I mean, why does an artist produce great art? To make something in the world? Why do workers work so hard? Because they, they care about their craft? Yeah, sometimes, yeah, basically when you boil it down, though, it's one person's envy of another. <laughs> and this, too, is meaningless. And a chasing after the wind. He says it comes down to envy. The reason you're not okay with a one handful life is this. You have allowed your culture to determine what's an appropriate handful of Skittles. Let me say that again. You have been discipled by your culture, and I have too. And so we now have a different definition of what it means to be content. And usually contentment is if I had just a little bit more. I say, where'd you get that? Did you get that from God? Did you get that from the Bible? No, I got that from looking around at what other people do, what other people have. It's just envy. It's fear. Of, you heard of FOMO, fear of missing out. How many extracurricular activities are enough for your child? Do you get that anywhere in the Bible? No, you look around, and you look around, and everybody's got their kids, and they're so involved, they're doing all these things, and you think, we're behind if your kid is not in a travel lacrosse team to Canada when he's two and a half years old, he's falling behind, you know? There's such pressure, right? Where'd you get that? You got that by looking around others. Why, 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 do you, why do you drive the car you drive or why do you need that many cars or whatever it is? You get it from looking at others. What about the clothes we wear? How many of you, how many of you wore what you wore to church today because you literally had nothing else to wear? You, 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 you repaired that burlap dress you worn so many times that finally the yarn wore out and so you had to go get a new pair of clothes. About, no, of course you don't do that. You did what I do. You stood in a closet full of clothes, full of clothes and said the following and I quote, I have nothing to wear. We have a whole closet of things to wear. But we say, I have nothing to wear. Why? Where do we get that? We get that because that's what we're discipled by our culture. And it's not just keeping up with the Joneses. I don't mean that. It, I mean, there's a general kind of envy. There's an envy delivery system. We have an EDS in this day and age that was unimaginable 50 years ago. An EDS, an envy delivery system. It's called social media. Of course there was envy when I was a kid. Of course there was envy when you were a kid. It was just on a smaller scale. Now, you can be envious of stuff you didn't even know you could be envious of. Does that make sense? When I was a kid, the Sweet 16 birthday party was like at McDonald's, you know? That was a big deal. We had the one McDonald's, and you got to go. Wow. Now... 
Oh, the pressure parents feel, right? Because now you're broadcast to the world. Well, here, everybody else, listen, everybody else is here and you're just stuck here. You hear that? One handful versus two. Chasing after the wind. Well, you may say, actually, Pastor, uh, this sermon doesn't apply to me for a different reason. Um, I'm not really a go-getter. I'm not really out there trying to make that next dollar, trying to keep up with the Joneses. I don't do that. Uh, in fact, my problem is uh, I'm kind of lazy. I'm, I'm kind of no handfuls, <laughs> you know. Does the Bible have anything to say to me? Yes, it does. It's wor- it, it, now, no handfuls isn't the answer either. If somebody says, yeah, you're right, leave that life of high society and let's just, let's just all go out and live on a, on, a, on, a, on a commune somewhere together and we'll just, we'll just live off the, 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 the wealth of other people and we'll just, we'll just be lazy. And the Bible says, no, that's not it either. Look at the next verse. No, 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 no. That's foolish talk. The fool folds his hands. See, he has no handfuls. Folds his hands, obviously an idiom for rest. The fool folds his hands and eats his own flesh. Yeah, in other words, the Bible has some very harsh things to say about a life of idleness, laziness. The best commentator, again, I I quote him again, I go back to him again. The best, to me, the best commentator uh, years and years ago, Derek Kidner, wrote an old commentary on many Old Testament books, but his on Ecclesiastes is fine. And this is his quote about that verse. That, what does that mean? The fool folds his hands and eats his own flesh. What does that mean? He says it means this. His idleness, the fool's idleness, eats away not only at what he has, in other words, he burns through his bank account, his savings, but also what he is, eroding his self-control, his grasp of reality, his capacity for care, and in the end, his self-respect, eaten away. That's what laziness does. It erodes self-control. That's really true, isn't it? Every time you make a choice, do you ever think about this? Every choice you make is not only that choice, but it's also an accelerating effect on future choices. Did you know that? Let me explain. Every time you make a choice, you not only make that choice, you make it a little easier to repeat that choice in the future, for better or worse. We've all experienced this. It's so difficult. Say your doctor says you need an exercise routine. First thing in the morning, you need to get up and exercise. Okay, doc. That first morning when it's really early, it's so tough to get up in the morning and exercise. But if you push through and you do it, you not only get that win, you get that exercise, but the next day you've made it just a little bit easier to repeat that choice. See, If you say no to that extra dessert you're not, you know, you're not supposed to have, you not only did that, but it's a little easier to say no the next time. And the, and the reverse is true. If you sleep through your alarm, you made it a little easier to sleep through the next day. And if you say uh, lose self-control, you make it a little easier the next day. You lose your grasp of reality, withdrawing from work, escaping into slothfulness erodes the fool's grasp on reality. Until what? Until apathy sets in. Why bother? Who cares? He loses his capacity for care. And eventually he looks around and goes, I'm worthless. I have nothing to offer. So no handfuls is no better. So if, if two handfuls is bad and no handfuls is bad, we're back to verse six. Better one handful with some tranquility than two handfuls with toil and chasing after the wind. So let me ask you, is there any contentment in your life? Is there tranquility in your life? What would you have to change to apply this sermon? What would you have to say? You know, we need to maybe say no to some things. All of Scripture bears this concept out. In the Garden of Eden, right? Freely eat of every tree in the garden. But Adam and Eve's desire was to be like God. 
The Lord took him to the promised land, but they ignored his commands. The, the, the psalmist says, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He can give me what I want. In the New Testament, John the Baptist warned the soldiers in Luke three fourteen, who came to him for advice, and he said, don't extort anyone by threats. Be satisfied with your wages. Jesus warned in Luke 12, take care, be on your guard against all kinds of greed, for one's life does not consist in the abundance of possessions. In Matthew 6, seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you as well. And of course, the apostle Paul writes, I've learned to be content with whatever I have. I know what it means to have little. I know what it's like to have plenty in all circumstances. I've learned the secret of being well-fed or going hungry, having plenty, being in need. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. He says, godliness with contentment is great gain. So let's work this out. There has to be, I think, an attitude change at the heart level, and only God knows sort of which direction you need to move in. If you're a no-handful person, then we need to, at the heart level, at the attitude level, you've got to move toward a one-handful person. And if you're, if you're struggling with that two-handful, that greed, you've gotta to move toward that one-handful, right? So only you and God this morning can answer that question. If you are, uh, 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 let's say tomorrow morning you're on your way to work or you're going about your day and you stop and think, okay, I tend to be a no handfuls person. I'm always complaining about my job. I'm only here for the paycheck. Quite frankly, if I won the lottery, I'd be out of here. I try to do the least amount of work until I can punch the clock till quitting time. Well, then the attitude for you needs to be, let's move toward a one handful life. Let's, let's take a little more out of the day. You're, you, you, let's move away from laziness and sloth and devouring your own flesh. But my hunch is for the vast majority of you, that's not where you're at. You're not lazy. No, you're gonna need to guard against the opposite error. To stop in that moment and say, wait a minute, I'm thankful for this job, but I don't need to claw over others to prove myself. My worth is found in you, Lord. And because that's settled, I don't need work, or I don't need material things, or I don't need to post a bunch of stuff on social media, I'm okay. I'm okay. I'm your child. That's enough. I'm going to be content today. I think there are two main areas where I think this could unfold in our life. Two main areas where this sermon could be applied. Your schedule and your spending. Your schedule and your spending. You say, my schedule, does that mean I have to throw off everything, go be a hermit and and take my family and live in a monastery? Well, maybe if that helps, but... I think in Hebrews 12, when it says throw off everything, it means throw off everything it says that hinders your schedule and your spending. What do I mean by this? Most of us schedule our lives and we sign up for things and we spend our resources based on what everyone else is doing. We just sort of look around and go, this is what the world disciples us and so this is what we have to agree to. And I would say, why? Challenge that. This gives us guidance for life, not the world. Let me say this as clearly as I can. You and your family are gonna have to get used to this. You are gonna have to get accustomed. You're gonna have to get used to saying yes to things that everybody in your city says no to and no to things that everybody else in your city says yes to. You're just gonna have to be okay with that. A few uh, months ago, I preached a sermon saying, you're an alien. (laughs) 
What did I mean by that? You're a resident alien. You're a stranger in a strange land. You've got a passport that says kingdom of heaven. So yes, you're a citizen here. Of course, you're gonna do some things here. But you're gonna say yes to some things that your whole city says no to and no to some things that your whole city says yes to. Look at you. You said yes to being in church this morning. It's early and you're here. And do you know to a lot of people how crazy this looks? You say, oh, seriously? On a Sunday morning? Well, you know you're missing out on so many things. Don't you know there's the, there's the lake? And don't you know there's a thing called Jack's? You know, you could be having some biscuits right now. I mean, don't you know that there, there, there's time with family and that, they'll pull that one. Don't you know your family's important and you're gonna get these kids up and you're gonna get these kids up and you're gonna get them to church. Now, I hope I haven't just given you guys some ideas. Oh, I hadn't thought of Jack's. Yeah. So there's many, many people in your culture that would look at what you're doing right now and saying, you're crazy. Don't you know how hard it is to get your family here? And you got to find, and then you're, all, and you're looking for shoes, and you're throwing them in the minivan, and some of the kids aren't even yours. We're going to church, you know, right? You know how that is? That's so hard to do that. And then you stay for Sunday school? Come on, man, two hours on a Sunday morning? Don't you know there's all these other things? That is so hard. And you're saying, yes, it is hard. But what's even harder is when they're 17 years old trying to suddenly give them a spiritual foundation that they never had. So get them here. Get them here every Sunday, and you will not regret. And you'll say, but there's so much more I could have done with my Sunday morning. That's right. And you've said one handful with tranquility is better than two handfuls with a bunch of toil and chasing after the wind. And you teach your kids that. And that when it comes to schedule, it's okay. It's okay. You don't have to overschedule your kids. They don't have to be involved in many, many things. They can be involved in one thing. And here's what nobody tells you. When it comes to like picking extracurriculars, they can be involved in one thing or they can be involved in no things. And they'll turn out okay. Why? Because your standard is not what is everybody else doing. Your standard is God. Who do you have to please? But your heavenly father who loves you and gave his son for you. So love your kids. And it's not wrong if they want to get involved. And I understand these things. That, 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 that's great. But you don't have to live and die for what everybody tells you. You have to go after in your schedule. Better one handful with some tranquility then two handfuls with running around crazy and you eating dinner every night, throwing Chick-fil-A in the back of the van at them. <laughs> you know? And people, I know they're going to say it's crazy. Wait, wait, wait. You, what, do you mean you can't, what do you mean you can't go out tonight? You're, you're serving at your church. You're doing what now? You're going to this Bible study? That's not going to make sense to your friends. You know, to, to, to teenagers and really preteens too, how weird would you be? Let me talk to the kids and the in the teens, how weird would you be if you just didn't have social media? Well, better one handful with tranquility than two handfuls toiling, chasing after the wind. Or some of you just need to go back to one social media account. Right now you got two social media, you got two Instagrams. The one your mom knows about. And then the fake Instagram, oh, it got real. Okay, yeah. And the fake Instagram, if you got rid of that fake Instagram, you know what you'd have? You'd have one handful with some tranquility. Better than two handfuls with toil and chasing after the wind. Well, uh, that's the 
the end of schedule. I think, I think money, you probably know where I'm going there too. You know, I think you're going to say yes to things the world would say no to and no to things the world would say yes to. The world would say, you are crazy. Why wouldn't you, you know, take on this extra car payment? Why wouldn't you buy more than you can afford and all that stuff? And wait, on top of that, I'm sorry, you give a percentage to your church? What's this tithing stuff? That's crazy. Yes, I'm going after one handful with some contentment. And tithing is a spiritual discipline, percentage giving that allows me to say, okay, that enough's enough. And I have one handful with tranquility rather than two with chasing after the wind. Okay. Here's what I want to say in closing. What makes this a uniquely Christian sermon? I mean that as a serious question. What makes everything you've heard uniquely Christian? Couldn't everything you've heard so far, couldn't it, I mean with a few exceptions, I mean wouldn't like Marie Kondo say the same thing? Wouldn't someone who preaches minimalism say the same thing? Declutter your closet, right? I mean, couldn't you go on Oprah and she would say the same thing? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Self-care, be kind to yourself. Don't be too busy. Leave margin in your schedule. Yeah, I think so. I think there's a, there's a kind of push right now in 2021 to kind of dial things down. And I think you could say that, I mean, you could, you could, I mean, if you left out a few of the God references, you could probably preach this in a public school. You know, dial it down, calm it down. So what makes it uniquely Christian? Well, I thought about that. Um, you may not know who Marie Kondo is. Um, I, 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 somebody told me that she has a show on Netflix, and I watched about, uh, I mean, 30, 40 seconds. So I got it. I think I got it. And, uh, <laughs> um, but basically, like, minimalism and the idea is you, you got too much clutter in your house, and so clear out. And I thought, you know, that's what I'm going to do. That's what I'm going to do. And so I go into my closet, and then I went into my drawers, and I did this. And I, I, I mean, the closet's like overstuffed. You can't find anything. So I did that. And I had nine big trash bags of stuff, clothes, shoes. I had way too, and, and took it to the foundry. That's great. And then um, at the end, I'm supposed to feel this inner peace and contentment. And I went in my closet and said, okay, I am the exact same level of happy that I was before. I just have, like, less stuff. <laughs> Okay, so there was no material change in my, um, I didn't have like a spiritual awakening. And then um, I asked my wife about this, you know, about what do you, what do you think about that when people say self-care, self-care, you need to pause and self-care. And she's like, well, you know, that, that's fine. I'm like, was it transcendent? Did revival break out? It's like, no, I just now, I, I'm still stressed. I just have prettier fingernails and better skin or what, you know, you know, you know right? Um, so where do you get real rest? Rest is not found in minimalism, and it's not found in laziness, and all this stuff is just good advice. But when you come to Jesus, it's more than good advice. It's good news. The New Testament word is not tranquility. The New Testament word they use is rest. And you can, you can do everything I told you. You can clear out your schedule. You can go home and say, kids, that's it. This summer, we're going to slow down. Pastor Tom's preached a message this morning, and God's word convicted me. We're trying to do too much. We're keeping up, and we're, we're overextended. We're going to slow it down. We're going to eat dinner as a family. You can do all that. And I'm telling you, you may still not find that rest you're looking for. All that does is free you up. And that's good. That's good. But it's not the ultimate in the New Testament, Jesus says, here's how to get that tranquility you're after. In Matthew 11, verse 28, here's what he says. Come to minimalistic practices. Is that what he says? No, 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 no. Come to self-care. No, 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 no. Come to me. Come to me, Jesus said. All you who are weary and burdened, you're living that two-handful life. Oh, he says, Come to me, and I will give you 
rest. Some of you need that verse this morning more than you need anything in the world. You're weary and you're burdened and you're still building on and you're piling on and you are believing the lie that the thing that will give you that rest is out there. I just got to get it. It's out there. Listen to God's word. No, 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 no. It's in Jesus. Will you come to him? Will you come back to him? You, you got two handfuls of Skittles and no spiritual rest. Will you come to him today? Come to a person. Musicians are going to lead us in a time of response, and that's the invitation. Uh, yes, if you're, if you're a no handfuls person, if you're struggling with sloth and laziness, then of course there's some conviction here. You, 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 the Bible says, you know, a man doesn't work, he doesn't eat. Like, th th this should fire you up today. But I don't think we're dealing with lazy people. I don't, I don't see that. But it's this, it's this mentality of more, and I've got to have more of what's out there. And that is not going to get you where you want to be. Instead, Matthew eleven twenty eight, 28, Jesus offers rest. If you understood that you already have everything you need in Jesus, then you would, you would work, but it wouldn't consume you. You would, have, you would have things, that's okay. You would have possessions. You would have a closet of clothes, that's all right. But it wouldn't consume you. If other people got new things, you could just be happy for them and move on. It wouldn't adjust your own standard of living. You would give freely. If you knew that everything you needed, that tranquility came through Jesus Christ, that is a one handful life. I think about Jesus in the garden, troubled on the night before he died. In a way, he was in agony, wasn't he? In a way, he lost his rest. His soul was in turmoil. He lost that tranquility when he died on the cross so that he could offer it to you. An eternal rest for the people of God that can start today. Let's pray. God, grant to us the contentment of a one handful life with tranquility rather than a two-handful life of toil chasing after the wind. Forgive us, God, when we have been too discipled by the world around us and not enough discipled by your word. And Lord, don't let that word be a word of condemnation or guilt this morning, but let it drive us like a nail to the only place we're gonna find rest, to you, Jesus, friend of sinners. Of all of us at one time or another who've been so greedy, who've, who've, who've tried to grab more. God, we thank you for your grace and your mercy and that you offer us that rest we're not going to find in any handful anywhere else. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. I hope the invitation is clear. If you need to receive Jesus this morning, he is waiting. He has made an invitation. You need to come to him or you need to come back to him. For some of you, it's, uh, this invitation is not going to happen right here at this altar. It's going to happen in the days and weeks ahead this summer. And you're going to carve out time and you're going to make the house of God a fresh priority in your life. You're going to make the people of God and studying his word and, and, and realizing this one handful, two handful thing or in your spending. It's the application of this message. That's okay too. You may want to pray a prayer of commitment. You can pray right where you're at. You can come forward. If you need to be saved, we'll... we'll be excited to, to speak to you a few minutes after the service. We can just pull up on this pew right here and we can talk through that and we can lead you in that. Pastor Scott will be here to receive any who come. You do as God leads. Would you stand to your feet? Just as I am.
Would you be seated for an exciting announcement and presentation? Uh, by the way, if, if when you exit and you go, if you go through the point, you'll see there is a beautiful Mother's Day, Happy Mother's Day backdrop that would be just perfect for a photo with your family if you want to take advantage of that. And the Lord has given us such a beautiful day. You may want to go out into the green space here and take a photo there too, but uh, 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 that would be uh, uh, available for you. And I, I meant to say that earlier. We want to present Aiden Johnson for membership. You saw Aiden's baptism, and now it is uh, the way it works in a Baptist church. Existing members vote in the new members. And so if you're a member here, you've got work to do in voting in our young sister in Christ, Aiden Johnson. If you rejoice with me in welcoming Aiden into the full fellowship and membership of Coleman First Baptist Church, signify your vote by raising your hand and saying, praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. An overwhelming majority there. Let's let her know we love her. We love you. And I have to make two announcements, and they are not directly related, but they're indirectly related. It's almost like a train track that has two parallel tracks. The first is this Sunday, May 16th, uh, business meeting. I hope you've made plans to attend. At that meeting, we'll be discussing what was announced at the vision meeting back in April. It is a vision, if you weren't there, to enclose the underground parking garage and use that space to build a brand new children's area and entrance to the church. It will solve a major obstacle for growth as both the church grows and the city of Coleman grows. The children's ministry will expand as well as a new entrance off of that uh, side of the building that makes it easier for newcomers to find their way through the church. And so um, if you didn't get a packet about that, you can come by the church and, and pick it up. And at that, uh, that'll be the uh, meeting where we discuss and we get questions answered. And um, then uh, the, the, the motion will be suspended and then voted on at the end of a church service without discussion on the 23rd, if that makes sense. It's, it's how we do the budget uh, every year, similar process. So Sunday night, 16th. The motion will be taken up, it'll be discussed, it'll be suspended and carried up again on the 23rd at the end of that church service. That's the first track. That will solve uh, several problems, but it will leave unsolved another problem, and that's the second track. If you were at the vision meeting, this should sound, this should sound familiar. The second is um, our worship center space. What are we going to do with worship center space? Uh, as the church continues to grow, we have a unique opportunity right now with where we are to shake things up a little bit in the summer. And so I'm asking you to follow me here and come with me on a little experiment. Uh, I'm calling it Summer in the Sanctuary. Now, if you're here at the 8 a.m. service, if this is the service you like to come, with, uh, come to, then starting June 6th, 
there will be no change for you at all. <laughs> so if I say summer in the sanctuary, you're like, this sounds like a big announcement. Aren't we in the sanctuary now? Yes. And it will be fall in the sanctuary. And it will be winter in the sanctuary. And it will be next spring in the sanctuary. Yeah. So obviously what I'm doing here is practicing on you for the big announcement in the next service. Okay? Okay? Starting June 6th, we're going to uh, have that 9.30 service also be here in the sanctuary. Um, it will be um, the same style of music that you're used to at 8 a.m. will we'll continue to be a, a, traditional, a more traditional style of music, so nothing changes there. Uh, same thing, the 9.30 has a more modern style of music. We'll bring that more modern style right over here at 9.30, and it'll be here. What will change is the venue. The 9.30 service that's now in the gym will happen here in the sanctuary at 9.30. Um, starting June 6th, and I'm excited to see what God does in our corporate worship just by changing the venue. The reason for all this is simple. Uh, this is all part of planning for the future. Like I said, it's gotta be a two-track program. One track is what we're hoping to do with the new children's space and the new entrance, but, but the other track is sort of the next step beyond that. What are we gonna do in, the ter in terms of worship space? And right now there are so many unknown variables about how to best utilize our worship space and how best to utilize the gym space during the week, especially if we're gonna be busting up the playground and all that stuff, we'll need to know, you know, uh, uh, we, we may need that gym. So we have to begin experimenting with different configurations. And what I'm going to tell that service about having to move back or getting to move back over here at June 6 is that uh, it's change and it won't be the last change. We'll change it again. Uh, but these changes, like all these changes, are because of good problems. The Lord continues to bless this church with momentum. It continues to bless this church with growth. And a byproduct of momentum and growth means we gotta we gotta change. We gotta we gotta we gotta be trying some new things. So I'm asking the church to follow me on a little experiment. I'm calling it Summer in the Sanctuary. I just gotta know the 9:30 service in the sanctuary. Let's roll! So I'm excited about it. But uh, it'll take flexibility. It'll take prayer. The musicians and the tech crew have been so gracious. They're like, if that's what our preacher wants, we'll try to figure it out. You know. Uh, so everybody's been so gracious. But I I'm excited and uh, excited to see uh, how that works. So that that announcement really applies to you if this is an anomaly and you're normally in the 930 service then you'll need to know that if you're coming today you just keep coming today and there won't be uh, much of a change I don't think you'll experience for that um, and there okay what I forget Scott okay good all right would you like a skittle brother Scott yeah all right, all right. <laughs> would you stand with me please as we close with our benediction from number 624 the Lord bless you and keep you the Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you and the Lord turn his face towards you and give you peace.